Good morning, everyone. This is my first time in Gaisley. I heard about Gaisley about 10 years ago. And more I hear about it, I think I thought Gaisley was like an institution or a, some kind of big ministry, some sort of a kingdom. Now I begin to see that Gaisley is a place where God's people gather together to have a spiritual feast upon God's word. And I'm very happy to be here this morning with you. And I hope that today and tomorrow will be a blessing to all of us. And I hope that we'll become a better man and woman in Jesus Christ. I was born in Korea, 1968, so I'm almost 30 years old. I will be turning 30 next Wednesday. And I became a Seventh-day Adventist when I was 17 years old. Before I became a Seventh-day Adventist, I used to be what they called street dancer. My hair used to be about this long. And I used to call myself King Cobra. Nasty snake, isn't it? But the Lord changed my heart. He turned me around. And God said to me, Peter, stop dancing with the devil. And you go with me, I'll make you a servant of God. And I, after I became a Christian, it was my privilege to attend Heartland College for four years. After my graduation, the very next day, I began teaching. And I was, I was there as a teacher for close to about six years. And past seven years, I have been to almost 25 different countries. And this is my second time in England. And one thing that I like to do with the people around the world, I like to bring the Word of God to them. That is my burden, and that is my vision. I want this Word to be clear and simple, that we may all apply to our lives. Turn your Bibles with me to Revelation chapter 6. I know my accent is a bit different than 
British accent, isn't it? <laughs> but I hope that you can understand the message of God. If you do not understand my accent, I pray that the Lord will give you the gift of tongue <laughs> to understand my accent. Revelation chapter 6, and we are reading verse 17. The Bible says this, For the great day of His wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Who shall be able to stand? My next question is then, stand in where? In God's presence. This is talking about the second coming of Christ. This is talking about when God comes with His very presence of holiness, the consuming fire. Who shall be able to stand in the presence of God without being consumed by His fire? But let us study this a little bit more deeper. The Bible says, what day has come? The great day of His wrath. Okay. The day of wrath is come, right? When is the beginning of day of wrath? When is it? When probation closes, then the seven last plagues begin to fall, right? That is the beginning of the day of wrath. We can see it from the book of Revelation clearly. The Revelation chapter 15, you know, the seven vials or seven plagues are the wrath of God. So when the Bible says, for the great day of His wrath has come, who shall be able to stand? Of course, it means ultimately the second coming of Christ when actually Jesus Christ appears in the clouds of heaven. But, it also means who shall be able to stand when probation closes? Who shall be able to stand when seven last plagues fall? Who shall be able to stand when the wrath of God is brought forth upon this land? Do you understand that? Now, this question is given in this chapter. And that is the last text in that chapter. But, in original Greek manuscript, there was no chapter divisions. There was no verse divisions. So, the story continues, chapter 7, verse 1. 
Are you with me? The question is asked and the answer is given following verses. Now, look with me chapter 7 and verse 1. And after these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four what? Winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. If you look at very closely, these four angels are holding that what? Four winds. And you know, number four represents worldwide. So this wind is about to blow upon not just one location, not just one nation, but worldwide. Global event. And this wind is about to do something. What is that? It's about to blow and to destroy. It's not a cool, nice breeze on a hot summer day. It's a wind that will destroy. Did you know that this year alone, we had about 13 hurricanes? Do you get hurricanes here? No. Blessed country, isn't it? But in America, I don't know what, but we have hurricanes every year. Last year, we had nine hurricanes. This, year's we had, this year, we had 13 hurricanes. And one time, we had four hurricanes blowing at the same time. Do you know what it's like to have 162 miles per hour? Well, now what is that in kilometer? Well, you understand that, right? 162 miles per hour wind blowing on your house. You know what's going to happen to your house? If it's a brick home, it may stand. But, you know, many houses in America are not brick. They're wood. And sometimes they're what they call mobile homes. Just, just destroys them very fast. So this wind is also representing the destruction. So, you have to read verse 17 of chapter 6 in connection to verse 1 of chapter 7. Those four winds represents the wrath of God. In another word, who shall be able to stand when four winds are being let go? And I'm going to show you from the Bible what those winds represent. Or we say it's destruction. But turn your Bibles with me to Proverbs. Proverbs Chapter 1, Proverbs chapter 1, 
and verse 27. Now this morning, you're going to feel like a student because I'm so used to teaching. So, so the way I preach is like teaching. I hope you understand that. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 27. Listen to this. When your, when your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a what? Whirlwind. So tell me from the Bible, whirlwind or wind represents what? Destruction or desolation. All right. Four winds represents then worldwide desolation, worldwide destruction. Or may I say, the wrath of God. My next question is this. When will these winds be let go? When? When the probation is ended. How do you know that? How do you know from the scripture that those four winds will be let go when probation is closed? How do you know the sealing of God's people means probation will be closed? Right? Oh, these are all true answers. Yes, but from the scripture, how do you know that these four winds, when they are being let go, probation will close? Yes, sealing of God's evil will take place before this, these four winds will be let go. But how do you know that these four winds are being let go means probation is closed? Do you, do you understand my question? Now, we are Seventh-day Adventists, right? We are Bible-based people, right? How do we know that? Yes. Daniel chapter 12, 1, the Bible says, when Michael stands up, the time of trouble will begin, right? How do we know that that represents the probation being closed? Yes. Then how do you connect between Michael standing up and time of trouble will begin and four winds being let go? Yes, but from the scripture, how do we know that? If a non-Aventist person would ask you, ask you this question, how would you answer Let's think about it. How do you just quote scripture and there's no connection to it? Now, try this text. Turn your Bibles with me to Zephaniah. Zephaniah. <clears throat> now watch this. Zephaniah chapter 1. And verse 15. 
Zephaniah chapter 1 and verse 15. The Bible says, That day is a day of what? Wrath. Are we talking about the same thing as what we read in Revelation chapter 6 verse 17? The great day of His wrath is come. That day is a day of wrath and day of what? Trouble and what? Distress. A day of what? Wasteness. And what's the next word? Desolation. So day of wrath is the same as day of desolation. Are you with me? And day of desolation is the same as day of trouble or distress. Now look at this. Four winds represents, according to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 27. Four winds represents global desolation and destruction. That day is a day of des desolation and day of destruction. And day of desolation is the same as day of wrath. And day of what? Trouble. So we can say from the scripture, when those four winds are being let go, it means it begins the day of trouble. Because day of wrath, day of trouble, day of destruction is all the same thing. So, when is the beginning of day of trouble or time of trouble? Yes, and we know it from Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1. When Michael shall what? Stand up, what will begin? The time of trouble. So, when those winds are being let go, what happened? Michael, stand up. Let me ask you something. So you're saying that when Michael stands up, that means probation is what? Closed. How do you know that? I mean, just because he stands up means probation closes? Yes, you're um, quoting Revelation chapter 22 and verse 11. But how do you connect that Bible text with Daniel chapter 12 verse 1? How do you know there's no more intercessor? From Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. I hope I'm not asking too hard of a question. Yes. But just because Michael stands up means probation closed? How do you know? From the scripture. You must tell me from the Bible. Not from your own opinion, isn't it? Now let me ask you something. When Jesus Christ died, and He arose on Sunday, and when He went to heaven, of course we can say after 40 days, being with the disciples, How does the Bible describe when he went to heaven? 
Turn your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Let me show you something. Hebrews chapter 12. And verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is what? Set down at the right hand of the throne of God. In many places in the Bible, the Bible says, when Jesus ascended into heaven, the Bible says, he sat down at the right hand of God. You recognize that phrase, don't you? What, what Jesus is doing, what is he doing at the right hand of God? Turn your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 1. Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heavens. So, so tell me from the Bible, Jesus sat down at the right hand of God as what? As high priest. What is the work of high priest? Intercession. Now, how do we know that? Hebrews chapter 7. And verse... Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. Wherefore... He is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make what? Intercession for them. Verse 26, for such and what? High priest. So high priest's work is to do what? Intercession. So the Bible says he went up to heaven, he sat down as a high priest, and his work is? Intercession. Another Bible text. Romans chapter 8. You see what I'm doing here, I'm building up a case. Okay? So you have to follow logically point by point from the scripture. So you can explain clearly that when Michael stands up means probation is closed. Romans chapter 8 and verse... 34. 34. Now, this is like a Sabbath school here, all right? Now, in verse 34, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that he that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, watch this, who also maketh what? Intercession. Intercession for us. 
Okay. So Bible says, he went up and he sat down as a what? High priest. And he's doing intercession. So what does that mean when he stands up? He finishes what? Intercession. That's why when Michael stands up, that means intercession is finished. Is that clear? Was there a time in the Bible when Jesus, he stands up and his probation is closed? Not the close of probation, but a close of probation. When is it? Acts when Stephen was That's right. Let's all turn your Bibles there. Watch this. Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. Acts 7 and verse 54. The Bible says, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. 55, but he, Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into where? Heaven. And saw the glory of God, and Jesus, what's next word? Standing on where? On the right hand of God. Interesting, isn't it? What year was this? A.D. 34. What happened in A.D. 34? The close of 70th weeks. And what happened to Israelites? It was their close of probation. And Jesus stood up. Now, when did Jesus went up to heaven? A.D. 31. And the Bible said he sat down. Even then, Jesus was interceding for the nation of Israel. Are you with me? But when he stood up at that time, that was not the close probation, but that was a close probation for nation of Israel. So, when Michael stands up means close of probation. Now you can show it clearly from the Bible. So, who shall be able to stand when four, angel, when four winds are being let go? When the day of trouble begins? When the probation is closed? Who? The answer is given the following text. Go back to Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7 and verse 2. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given 
to hurt the earth and the sea. And we know that before the probation closes, God's people will be sealed. And the Bible says they will be sealed with what? Why did the Bible say seal of the living God? Why not seal of the Messiah, seal of the Lamb of God, seal of the King of Kings, seal of my team? Why does the Bible say seal of the living God? Why? Am I asking too many questions? Okay, very good answers. But what does the Bible say? I'm not here to give you my opinions. I want to give you the Word of God by the grace of God. Not that I master the Bible. Why does the Bible say a living God? One thing for sure, that means He's not a dead God. He's a living God. What makes him a living God? Turn your Bibles with me. Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. And verse 15. Acts 14 and verse 15. The Bible says, look at this. Here Paul saying to these heathens, the Bible says, And saying, Sirs, why do ye these things? We also are men of like passion with you, and preach unto you that ye should turn from these vanities unto the what? Living God. Who is living God? Which made heaven and earth and the sea, and all things that are therein. So tell me from the Bible, who is the living God? The Creator. Now those words, do they sound similar? I mean, familiar? Do you remember Revelation chapter 14, verse 7? Worship Him that made heaven and earth and the seas and fountains of water. Do you remember Exodus chapter 20, verse 11? The Lord made heaven and earth and seas and fountains of water. So when the Bible says, living God means what? Creator. That means this seal is related to what? Creation of God. Now, Acts, now turn your Bibles back to Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7. <clears throat> Why does God put a seal? Why? Do you remember when Egypt was destroyed by the plagues? Mm -hmm. 
nine plagues, Israelites were automatically protected. But there was one plague they had to do something to be protected. What was that? Putting the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. When a death angel came, that indicate that this people in this house belongs to God. Now you have your Bibles here today. Did you put your names in your Bible? Well, I didn't put my name in my Bible. There's no name. So if you pick up this book somewhere, and you look at this book and say, whose book is this? Are you able to tell? No. Well, it's book of God. But who does it belong to in this, I mean, on this world? I mean, it, you cannot tell because there's no name. So the reason God put his seal upon us to indicate that who are his people. But turn your Bibles with me to 2 Timothy. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 19. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 19. Are we together? Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are who? His. So, are you His? But notice, watch this. And let everyone that what? Nameth the name of Christ, depart from what? Iniquity. So what makes us His? When we name His, when we nameth His name, right? And when we depart from iniquity. Now, Go back to Revelation chapter 7. Let me show you something. And verse 3. Saying, Heard not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of, of our God in their foreheads. Who shall be sealed? servants of God. Then who shall be able to stand? Servants of God. Why does the Bible say servants of God? Why not the saints? Why not the meek? 
why does the Bible specifically says servants of God? Okay. Okay. <laughs> there are many good answers. But do you know what does the Bible says about who is a servant of God? Who? Turn your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. And verse 22. <clears throat> the Bible says, But now being made, what? Free from sin, and become what? Servants to God. So tell me from the Bible, when do you become servants of God? Oh, that's pretty clear, isn't it? Okay, now watch this. Who shall be able to stand? Those who receive the seal of the living God. Who shall receive the seal of the living God? Servants of God. Who are the servants of God? Those who are free from sin. My next question is, how can you be free from sin? They're all good answers. But let's see what the Bible says. A clear text. I'm sure, thy word have I hid in my heart, that I may not sin against thee. The truth shall make you free. These are all good, and we should apply them. But let's see a little bit, a little bit more closer to where we just read. Romans chapter 6 and verse 7. Romans chapter 6 and verse 7. The Bible says, For he that is what? Dead is what? So tell me from the Bible, who is free from sin? Those who are what? Dead. So those who are dead to sin is free from sin. Those who are free from sin become servants of God. Servants of God shall receive the seal of the living God. Those who receive, receive the seal of the living God, they will be able to stand. So where is the beginning? Where is the beginning for the preparation for the second coming of Christ? That we must die. Does that mean we should commit suicide? No. What does this mean? Die. Die to self. Die to the world. Dead to sin. Not dead in sin. So my next question is, how do we die? Is that a good question? How do we die? Read verse 6. Knowing this, that our what? Old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be what? Destroyed. 
destroyed, that henceforth we should not what? Serve sin. So how can you die? Your old man must die with who? Jesus on the cross. So where is the beginning for the preparation for God's second coming? At the cross, yourself must die. But the Bible says, what kind of man? Old man. What do you know about old man? What do you know about old man that, that he needs to die? I'm sure right now you're probably thinking, this, this young man is asking too many questions. Yes. The why old man represents sin. You know, we say to the young people today, you must listen to old people, right? Old man represents carnal mind. But why old man? Yes. The one way that I apply this Bible text is that in Korea we say, in our country, we say, the habit that you form when you're three years old, it will continue till 80 years old. Do you know what it's like to change your habit? Is it easy or hard? Or hard? hard. It's, easy to, it's easy to change your habits when you're young. But when you're old, it's not easy, isn't it? And you see, there's what we call habitual sin. What it, what it is, it's a cultivated sin. And habit is something that you do many times without really thinking. I mean, you think about it, but it's just a little amount. Do you remember when you tie your shoelace your first time? First time you, tie, you learned to tie your shoelace? How was it? You made a knot, right? And you say you have to go, you know, this loop here and put it this way and you hold that tight and you just pull it. And the beginning is very hard. But you did it for many years. And after 10 years later, you go, hey, wait a minute. I'll be with you, right? Very quick. Do you remember the first time you learned how to type? A, P, Q, X, you know? Where's that question mark? You know, it's very tough in the beginning. But you repeat it over, over, and over, and over again. What happens after one year? You look at the book, just automatic. Before I used to dance, 
when I listen to music, my brain cell automatically program my body to move certain way. It's automatic. When I was little, I, w I had a bad habit of stealing. When I go to, uh, into store, I steal their gum, cookies, whatever. So, when I was young, when I walked into a store, my brain is automatic. Do, 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 do. What can I steal? The old man, which is carnal man, carnal nature, must die, is probably the habitual sin that you have cultivated. Because you are bondage to your habitual sin. Habitual sin, you feel like you cannot escape from it. You cannot free yourself from it. I don't know how many of you are vegetarians here, but for me, when I see McDonald's sign, it's automatic. <laughs> Big Mac. <laughs> Chicken nuggets. You know what I'm talking about? When you see that refrigerator door, it's automatic. And it's automatic when somebody bothers me. It's automatic for me to get angry and fight back. It's automatic when, my, when someone nags at me to retaliate and speak back. I'm sure too many husbands. It's automatic to get angry when your wife burns the food, right? It's automatic for wife to get nasty or, or, or hot temper when husband is not being nice. We do it for once, twice, three times, so many times. So now, we don't even think about it. People don't even think about before they curse to God. Today's young people, they don't even have conscience when they lie. Because they've done it for so many times, it's automatic. They're slave to their sin. Some people say, oh, I cannot overcome my bad temper. My great-grandfather had bad temper, and his father had bad temper, and his father had bad temper. In our family, we all have bad temper. I cannot overcome this. Have you heard that before? My friends, there is answer in the Bible. The Bible says that old man must be crucified. Then you're free from sin. How many of you have seen a cadaver or a, a dead man? Literally a dead person. Let me see your hands. All right. I have two. Let's say a dead man is right here. 
laying on this platform here. And his name is John. And I come to John. John, you look very tired. Why are you so blue? Let me warm you up. Here's a nice cigar from America. Smoke some cigar and you'll be warm. Here, John, why'd you smoke? What would John say? No response. Why? Because it's dead. I go up to John. John, here's a glass of wine from France. Drink this wine, you'll be a new person. John, go ahead, drink some wine. What would John do? Why? He's dead. I go up to John. John, you are ugly. You are a loser. Nobody wants you. You cannot make in this world. What would John say? Why? I go up to John and I kick him and I punch him and I spit upon him and I beat him. What would John do? Does he stand up and say, hey, why did you, you hit me? And you start fighting back? Why not? Because he is dead. So tell me, when our old man dies, what he will do? You must what? You must bury him. But many times, we carry this dead body upon our shoulder. And we walk around trying to live the new man with the dead man on your back. But you must bury him. In Korea, we bury a man six feet under. So when you bury your old man, you must bury him deep. If you bury him one foot, his head might come up. <laughs> and grab that Kentucky Fried Chicken. He might grab that, that wine, or he might grab your, grab your neck, want to fight. But when an old man is dead, he is what? Dead. Let me ask something. I'm speaking to Seventh-day Adventists. Can dead men speak? What do you call when, when people speak to dead people? Spiritualism. So what should we call when we talk to our old man who is dead? What should we call when we talk to our old man who is dead? What do we call that? It's formal spiritualism, isn't it? If we believe that dead cannot speak, why do you try and talk with your old man? Don't respond to your old man. He is dead. Who is servant of God? 
those who are alive to righteousness and sin not. So how, how should you respond next time when somebody cut you and spit upon you? How did Jesus respond when they beat him, crucified him, nailed him, mocked him, whipped him? He turned his other cheek, didn't he? He prayed for them. To have that kind of deep love, yourself must die. Why do we have so many problems in the church today? Why are they fighting in the church? Because they are not dead. Turn your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 2. I'm not even up to my halfway. The time is running out. Galatians chapter 2. And verse 2. The Bible says, I am what? Crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but what? Christ liveth in me. Tell me from the Bible. When can Christ live in you? When? When you empty yourself, when you, when you are crucified with Him, right? When you surrender to Christ. When you are dead, only then Jesus can live in you. When Jesus lives in you, are you a servant of God? Are you qualified to receive the living God? Are you able to stand during the day of wrath? Yes. Let me make something. What is the condition of the last day church? Laodicean. What is their biggest problem? They look warm, right? But the deeper problem is the deeper problem is who is outside? Jesus is what? Knocking, right? So Jesus is not in them, but Jesus is where? Outside. Jesus is not living in them. That means they are not what? They are not dead. What is the problem with the Laodicean church? They want to live like a Christian, but they are not dead to self. Jesus knocking outside. Do you remember? Christ in you, the hope of what? Glory. Glory. God's character. What's the message of Seventh Adventist? Fear God and give glory to Him. How can you give that message when you don't have glory in you? And how can you have the glory in you when Christ is not in you? And how can you have Christ in you when you are not crucified with Him?
You may keep Sabbath. You may pay tithes and offerings to church. Your name may be in the church book. But if you are not dead, if Christ is not living in you, you are none of His. And God cannot put that seal upon you. My other question. Who are these servants of God in Revelation chapter 7? Okay, who are they? Revelation chapter 7. The Bible says, I heard the number of them. 144,000. Who are they? So who are the ones that sealed in chapter 7? The 144,000, right? And who are the 144,000, spiritually speaking? Yeah, what does the Bible say? Look. Yes, yes. Revelation 7, verse 4. And I heard the number of them which were sealed and... There were sealed 144,000 of all the tribes of children of who? Israel. Interesting. Children of who? Israel. Israel means what? Overcomers. So 144,000, they overcome what? Deeper than that themselves. The name Israel was given to who first? Jacob. But Jacob didn't receive that name until when? Overcome who? How can you overcome an angel? How can you fight with an angel and win? Can you fight with God and Jacob received the name Israel when Jacob helplessly only depending upon God. Jacob, listen, physically, mentally, spiritually, he had all the reasons to let go God. Physically, his joint was out. Have you had your joint out? That's, that's painful. On top of that, he had a mental distress. What was that? His brother is about to come and destroy him. On top of that, spiritual distress. What is that? The angel or we know that's Jesus Christ, is keep reminding Jacob his sin. So Jacob, in his mind, if, if he dies, if he, if he dies without having his sins being completely forgiven, he's finished. His brother is about to come and destroy him. And he wants to make sure that he is right with God. 
good thing that he already repented his sin way before. But now God is testing Jacob to see if Jacob will hold on to God or not. You see the angel, you know what the angel did? Pull out his bone, his joint, and angels keep pushing him away. And at the same time, keep reminding Jacob his wrongs. So Jacob had all the reasons why. To Jacob, he feel like God is forsaking him. He feel like God has deserted him. But in spite of that, Jacob, he hold on to God. God, I cannot let you go until you bless me. Your faith must overcome yourself and the circumstances around you. Who had that kind of faith? Who? Job. Though you slay me, I will yet trust. Who else? Jesus. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You remember that? But even then Jesus said what? At the end. Into thy hand I give my spirit. Even though you reject me, God, I still want to follow you. That's the faith of what? Jesus. Do you remember? Revelation chapter 14, verse 12. Here are the patience of the saints. Here they that keep the commandments of God and what? Have the what? Faith of Jesus. When can you exercise faith of Jesus? Watch this. Are you still in uh, Galatians? Go back to Galatians chapter 2. Let me show you something. I hope you feel like college students now. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Now watch this. We read a text, but we haven't finished it. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Watch this. And the life which I now live in the flesh. What, what does that mean? He still lives in his in his body, not in his sin. Okay? Just because you have surrendered yourself, just because you have died to self, that does not mean your sinful human nature will change. That will change when? When Jesus Christ comes. Right? So, our self can be dead, but we still live in this sinful human flesh, this body. Watch this. But how do we live in that sinful human flesh, in that body? How do we live? The Bible says, I live by the what? Faith of who? Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So how do you live? After you die to yourself, you, you live by what? Faith. But what kind of faith is this? Faith of Jesus. Who has faith of Jesus? You remember? Here are the patience of saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God. And what? Faith of Jesus. 
When can you exercise faith of Jesus? When can you live by faith of Jesus? When you are dead. Have you tried to exercise faith without dying to self? It's impossible. Isn't the Bible so clear? God did not give Jacob the name Israel when he was tending sheep and goats. But God gave Jacob that name Israel when Jacob overcame God, so to speak. He overcame himself. By how? Depending upon God. Do you remember... During the seven last plagues, there's a time called time of Jacob's trouble. Why does the Bible say Jacob's trouble? <laughs> when Jacob went through trouble, he became what? Israel. So these 144,000... They will prove themselves to be Israel when they go through Jacob's time of trouble. In other words, of course, they are children of Israel. But to vindicate that, to prove that, that they are surely a children, they are the children of Israel when they go through Jacob's time of trouble it shows that they are overcomers. But do you know that there are two tribes not among those 12 tribes of Israel? Two tribes. Dan, Ephraim. Why not Dan? Dan is known for what? Backbiting. Turn your Bibles with me to Psalms 15. Oh, I tell you, there's so much in the Bible. We can just continue, but I will stop in five minutes. Maybe less than that. Psalms 15. Look at this. Lord, verse 1, Psalms 15. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Watch this. Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? What is holy hill of God? Zion. Do you remember Revelation 14, verse 1? I saw a lamb and 144,000 standing on the mountain. Zion. Who shall stand on that mountain? Who shall stand on that holy hill? Okay? Watch this. Verse 2. He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. He that what? Backbites not with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor take up a reproach against his neighbor. 
Who were not able to stand on the Mount Zion? Those that what? Backbite. Who is standing on Mount Zion? Revelation chapter 14. 144,000 servants of God. Who is missing? Which tribe? Dan. Why? Because they backbite. The word Dan means judge. We should not become Dan, but we should become Daniels. Because Daniel means God is my judge. And if you look at the life of Daniel, you see, if you want to stand in the days of when the Daniel's prophecies are fulfilled, you must become like Daniel. That's one of the good reasons why we should become vegetarians. But Daniel, throughout all his life, he said, God is my judge. And I tell you, you will be tested upon that one point. Like what you heard last night. Are you going to keep your mouth shut and not murmur and complain, not backbite, but trust in God? Are you going to show his character? Are you going to keep yourself dead in the grave and live unto righteousness? That will be the test. One last thing, turn your Bibles with me to Revelation chapter 7. And verse 3. Saying, Heard not the earth, neither the seed, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God, where? In their forehead. What do you have in your foreheads? Huh? Your conscience, right? You have your thoughts and feelings, right? Do you remember when the Bible says the 144,000 will sing a new song. When you have a song, you have to have at least two things. What are they? Words and music. Words is for your thought. Music is for your Feelings. New song, new thought, and new feelings. Thoughts and feelings put together, you have what? Character. They all sing a what? A new character. In their mind. Transformed life. Who shall be able to stand? One answer. Those who die daily in Christ and live unto righteousness. But you know, you must die in the home first. If you cannot die in the home, you cannot die in the church. If you cannot die in the church, you cannot die in the world. 
And when you do not practice to, when you do not practice to die to self daily, you cannot literally die for Christ during time of trouble. So let us be that people who learn to submit our lives continuously to Christ. May God help us.